everybody. This is Ilana. Welcome to another fun episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Rose Griffin. She's a speech pathologist, and we're going to be speaking about combining movement and communication skills. This is a really fun episode. I think you're going to get a lot of cool ideas out of it. And while you're at it, please check out specialneedsemotion.com. I have some great downloadables, and I really appreciate you guys rating the podcast. Make it a great day and enjoy the podcast. Move, go, walk, and flow. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little and maybe even laugh and be inspired. Please review and share so others can have access to our community. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and podcaster. I love a great discussion, coaching the families with whom I work, and finding solutions. I love putting the fun and play into therapy. And it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at specialneedsinmotion.com or just check the show notes. And any information shared here should not be taken as direct advice. You know the drill. Consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying any suggestions. Well, let's go. Welcome, Rose, to Special Needs Emotion Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And could you tell a little bit about your background and how you found me and maybe like how we connected? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a speech language pathologist and a board certified behavior analyst, and I've been in the field about 20 years. So I have always kind of split my time between working in a public school system and also working in non-public schools for students with autism, and now in my own private practice called ABA Speech. Um, I started a podcast in January, and so I've just been listening to a lot more podcasts, and I think that's how I came across your podcast, and then we just started talking. Uh, And I do a lot of collaborative services, um, especially actually in both settings, public and private, um, with occupational therapists, physical therapists, other consultants. And so I thought it would be really nice to do a collaborative podcast that might be just talking about how working on communication through movement has been something that I've always focused on. And I thought that might be interesting for your audience to hear about. Yeah, I love that. And I did take a quick peek at your podcast. So I see you um, have done quite a few and it it looks like a beautiful um, podcast. So people can find that. Uh, Where can they find your podcast? Sure. Absolutely. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, it's called Autism Outreach. And we have a new episode that comes out every Tuesday. And it's really all about autism and communication. So we've had speech therapists on and board certified behavior analysts. Uh, We did have an occupational therapist on and uh, parents, autistic individuals. So it really just encompasses anything that has to do with the autism journey and communication. And I just really love podcasting. I think it's very fun to connect with people. It is. I've met so many interesting people and therapists that I would have never spoken to. Right. And um, I've just had such a great time. I learned so much myself talking to people. It's kind of, it's a little bit selfish. But, you know, I try to uh, speak with people that have some topic that I want to know more about. So 
Um, Same. You know, that's kind of fun. But you had talked about, and I love this idea of combining movement with uh, speech. Um, it's something that I think about a lot when I'm working with kids because frequently, especially with telehealth, I will sometimes come into a house and I may back up to, let's say, a speech session, okay? Mm -hmm. So the kids are kind of strapped into a high chair doing their speech session, and then they're not really engaged so much. They're not talking. Um, I hear a lot from the therapist talking, but not so much from the kids. But then when I get them out and I start working with them, they start babbling a lot. (laughs) Oh, So, you know, I think that there is this idea of like movement and dialogue and speech that's really important. Yes. I mean, I think play is so very important, especially for, I mean, for kids across the ages, because I actually, in my private practice, I work with a lot of younger students. And so they're just always in constant motion. And I kind of try to just do more of a play-based, you know, slash structured approach. But when you're working with really little kids, they just, they need to be free. You know what I mean? Kind of running around doing their thing. That's kind of how I operate. It's, It's harder that way, but that's really, I think play is the most important way to learn. Um, but I also in my, in the school system, I work with middle school and high school students. And so we've had such wonderful times collaborating there as far as movement and just really this idea of thinking about movement and lifelong leisure skills. So, um, you know, we've done a lot of work together, um, with OTPT on doing different groups together, which I think has been really cool. Like in a, in a public school setting, sometimes it's a little bit easier to, to coordinate our schedules if we have a group of students who need um, all the services that some years it's made sense for us to work together on those different tasks. So um, one of the things that we've done together, um, we did this in a non-public program that I worked in is we had like a field day and we taught the students um, certain events that it would be like a simulated, like my, you know, my own three kids are typically developing, but they have like a sports day at the end of the year. So Uh I'm always trying to think of like, what are my kids experiencing in the world and how can I make sure that I give my other students that same experience, especially if they're in a non-public setting, because that's usually for students who have behavioral barriers to their learning. And so sometimes it's hard to replicate everything that we we would be doing in a public school. But I always really loved field day. So that maybe was a little selfish on my part. So um, what I did for some of the students, we had um, a collaborative group of therapists. And so we had a really beautiful outdoor space playground. And so we would work on different events, like walking to the different events, um, jumping into the different hula hoops. And we made up all these like a little obstacle course. Um, But I just think everything that we're all doing together as therapists is so intertwined as far as you know, like you said, this, the kids were talking more when they were moving. I think it just makes more sense for us to be kind of doing these things that we're going to be doing in the natural environment to to work on communication in that way. Right. Because, you know, this idea, I had a, a wonderful OT I used to work with, and she always said, kids in motion are not commotion. <laughs> yeah. This idea of letting kids move, you know. Right. I think one of my challenges is that I get kids who don't want to move. Oh, yeah. And then, um, you know, it's really challenging because when I try to move them or more encourage them to move, they are very fearful because they may have been hospitalized for a long time or something like that. And the Mm -hmm. parents don't want them crying too much. And I don't want them crying too much either. Um, But sometimes, like, let's say tummy time, just just as a basic, a lot of babies will, you know, cry in that position. Oh, yeah. we, we try to gently get there, but using language-based techniques with it 
can really help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely for my little ones, you know, things like uh, wheels on the bus and, you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, anything to kind of work on that communication piece, but also to make it fun. And gosh, I remember tummy time. Yeah. So, I mean, those are really hard things for any kid. You know what I mean? Like it's just an uncomfortable thing. But I, I think sometimes when you pair it with those types of what become familiar and maybe preferred, right? We would sing the song outside of that time. It's not like that's just the tummy time song because that, that right. might indicate a struggle, right? That's but right. um, But a lot of the times kids really like those things. So, you know, if I have a kid that's more just running around and maybe it's actually high, um, high is really kind of running around the session and has a lot of energy, those types of things may make them pause and, you know, work on imitation skills and um, sure. so it is hard when a student is, um, I had somebody on the podcast who works more in early intervention and she talked about some of the activities they try to do, um, collaboratively together. Like she has a, you know, a big PT OT gym and she's a speech therapist, but if she has a student that doesn't want to engage and it's kind of, you know, um, not wanting to, that they try to do things like jumping on the trampoline or uh -huh. things that will encourage more, um, motion and getting the student up, which can be hard because not every student is going to like those things, but just trying to get them more alert right. and, and aware. in the house, it's even more challenging because we just have less equipment, you know, yeah. in the homes. So whatever I bring in or, you know, I'm pretty creative, but sometimes let's say, I feel like kids swinging helps a lot to ease them into motion. And then it was interesting when my son was younger, I, he would come home and I would put him on the swing and he would tell me all about his school day. And if he wasn't swinging, it would be like, I didn't get any response, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that infamous question, how was your day? <laughs> yeah. You don't get anything. What did um, you do? But the swing helped. But anyways, you were going to tell us a little bit about lifelong leisure skills. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I've always tried to do with my students in middle school and high school is think about why are these things important and why are, you know, am I teaching these to the students, especially when they're in middle school and high school, you really don't want to waste any student's time. I always joke, I went to a presentation once and this uh, presenter said she saw a, a person with autism and on the front of the shirt, it said, I have autism. And on the back of the shirt, it said, don't waste my time, which I thought was really cute. Um, and that's kind of how I approach like actually anything, this podcast, PDs I do for adults and, and obviously working with just older students. It's like, okay, they're older. Like we need to think about why is this important for them across the lifespan? So two of the things that um, we've been working on, the one is yoga. So, you know, in a public school setting, in a, in a private setting, we would have yoga mats for the kids and they'd have their own yoga dedicated mat. There were just more funds readily available. Um, in the public school setting, we still do yoga because number one, I think it's something that's you know, you can get on YouTube and find any kind of free yoga. So you could do it at home. I mean, I do right. pop sure. sugar yoga. It's free. I do that every once in a while. Um, but you can also generalize it to the community setting. So here in Ohio, there are a lot of different places, especially in the summer that have free outside yoga. So I'm always thinking to myself, like, how can I teach my students something that is going to generalize to a community-based setting and is going to allow them to work on movement, communication, and allow them to be 
you know, embedded in the community. Because as students with disabilities get older, sometimes that can be harder to understand how how our students are fitting in. And we don't want our students to have, you know, a small array of things that they do. We want them to have a very fulfilled life. And so I always try to think about that in my therapy. But um, yoga is one of the things that I really love to teach the students. And so we would just do standing poses. Um, and actually my OT, it was either OT or PT had a really nice yoga set of cards. And so what I would do is I would show the students the pose. And then I would do them. And I always joke because I always used to say before I started my own business that I wanted to be a um, aerobics instructor. And so I said, this is like, I always have too many jobs, but this is kind of the way that I'm manifesting that one. So anyway, so yeah. I do I do the yoga pose and they do it after me. And so I've been working on this with different groups of kids. But what was really cool when the pandemic hit, as absolutely devastating as that was, I just, I continued to see all my kids with the same frequency, which was nutty, but through telehealth. Um, but I was able to do yoga. And what was so cool is that when COVID hit, you know, parents were helping their grandparents, their siblings, you know, so everybody was kind of getting to do yoga, was getting to see how our kids were doing it. And I think that was really cool because I do think that there's a lot of power in yoga and the fact that you could generalize that into a lifelong leisure skill. Like that's something you can do if you're younger. It's something mm-hmm. you can do if you're a lot older. And so I love that idea of being able to help my kids learn things that across the lifespan will will be important for them. Um, and then the other thing that we have been doing is lifting weights, okay, but lifting water bottles. So it's kind of like a prerequisite to lifting like real weights. And so we, um, I think it's it was Unique Learning System, which is a curriculum that we use in the school that I work in. And they had these really cool cards of students that were like middle school, high school age, and they were lifting water bottles. And it was like bicep curls and, you know, like all the different exercises that you do. And so we started this. Once again, there I am with my water bottles. Now with COVID, everybody has, you know, their own water bottles, but it's great for movement because they come up when I call their name, they get their water bottles, they bring them back to the table. Um, and then we do the different exercises together. Um, and really, I was setting that up because once the students get to be in high school, then they have a class called personal fitness. And so we have a, I work in a beautiful district and we have a really nice gym. And so the students, in essence, can do their own like workout during their gym time as part of um, this one gym class. And so I was trying to help uh, facilitate that. And then also at our high school, the students get to go hopefully, fingers crossed, when COVID is ending, um, get to go on community-based outings. And so some of those outings are to the local gym and things like that. Um, And so it's been really cool to be able to teach the students those different skills because as you're getting older, that type of activity is really important um, for your overall health. And there's so much communication that takes place during those activities. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love that. And so how are you as a speech therapist, like, how are you combining that in, let's say, while you're doing yoga or while you're lifting weights? Yeah. So all the things that we can work on. So for the weightlifting, some of the students are um, starting to use weight. We have an amazing gym teacher. And so what we would do is we would do like more of a a language lesson. And then I would say, okay, now we're going to do like it's modified leisure is what I call it. But I was like, okay, we're going to do, you know, lift our weights now. And then we would, um, everybody would kind of line up. We would walk down to the gym together. So they're following directions. They're with their group. They're getting the appropriate weights, bringing them back to the classroom. For some of the students, I have that in essence is actually 
a goal, you know, just staying right. with the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, having appropriate behavior in the hallway. So it all kind of goes together. Sure. And then we would come back. And then when we're doing the weightlifting, you know, they're orienting to me, the instructor, they're following directions, they're imitating what I'm doing. Um, and then we also talk about, you know, did you like that? What did you like about it? And so then we talk about the activity too. Um, and we just kind of work on all that together. And I think that idea of doing an activity like that with other people really mm-hmm. simulates what we as, you know, the general public do, right? We go to a group fitness class, we go to the YMCA. Um, and I work in a really, I work in a really amazing area where, you know, our local gyms, some of them have classes that are for, um, people with disabilities. So I don't know if you guys have anything like that, but it's, it's really nice. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, this is such an awesome connection here with the leisure skills yeah. and, you know, and I also love your background with behavior because that's such a huge part of communication. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was just kind of thinking out of the box while you were talking and, and these are a little bit more difficult in the actual schools, but just things like, um, hiking or biking mm-hmm. or gardening, you know, that c- those are other type of leisure skills that could be combined. Um, I'm sure there's a gazillion. Yes. Yes. Gardening is so fun. And we did do that. We, one of the schools I worked at earlier in my career, we had, um, the schools were kind of interconnected on a campus. And so we had flower boxes at the elementary. And so with the high school kids, what we did is we did all these language lessons about, okay, how do we do a garden? What do we need to buy? We were able to go to like the local Walmart and the kids had, you know, a list and Mm -hmm. they bought what they needed to. We walked down, we planted the flowers. We actually even that year went to the Cleveland Botanical Gardens. It was like this whole gardening unit, you know, we just had a theme and went with it, but it all cohesively went together. So I, yeah, I love those ideas of things that are really kind of functional and naturally occurring in the environment, because I think especially for older students, I mean, and and really too, when you're going into the home, because I, for my private practice, I do go into people's homes and help students there. It's like, we need to help them in their own little environment that they're in. Like that's, you know, and as the kids get older, like that is their environment. The community Mm -hmm. is where we need to practice those skills, not in a, a secluded little therapy room. I mean, I think that's kind of an old school idea on how to to provide therapy. So, I agree. And even going into the home, you know, I see kids after you know weeks or months, they get they get bored. They don't <laughs> want their little therapy session. And, you know, and I talk a lot to the parents about uh, what I call like therapy outside of therapy. You know, which sounds more like uh, these leisure skills, but things like going to the beach, riding a bicycle, um, if they can get them on horses, you know, just Mm -hmm. or even hikes or bikes, you know, taking them like we have in Atlanta, so many different hiking paths. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and there's ways to take children with special needs on those paths. So it's just this idea of getting them, like you said, into their natural environment because, more than often, a parent will tell me like, oh, we went to the pool or we went to the beach and they stood up or they, you know, yeah. and so those, you know, but it's this idea of this whole multi-sensory approach to living. And, you know, we live that way. Why would we think that that kids would receive therapy in sort of like a box, you know? Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love the idea of hiking and that's something we've done too. It's like, we're on the same wavelength, but we used to, cause here in Ohio, you know, it gets so cold. Like we're just trapped, you know, like mm-hmm. in our environment. So one of the times we just did leisure skills and we just like, literally we're just like walking around the building cause it was too cold to go outside. But we have this really beautiful mall by where, where our school is and the high school will do community-based outings. They just have more opportunities for that. So at the middle school level, I was like, okay, why don't we just all take a walk together as a class? And we would literally just walk around the building together as a class. And I was like, this really, I have to kind of advocate for it. You know, not that people think I'm like a crazy, but it is outside of the box. But I'm like, yeah. no, you don't understand. This is like, we're working on this skill where we're walking together, just like you're saying, like we're taking a hike with friends, right? I mean, I yeah. do that often. And so I want to simulate real life. And it's like, okay, once it gets nicer, we can generalize this to the track because we have a track right across the parking lot from our school. And then once the kids get to the high school, then we'll probably go to the mall and you know when we go visit the mall early and we hang out and do whatever and get lunch like there's people that are mall walkers like this is a big part of these people's Mm -hmm. day um and so i'm always thinking that way too like how can we do something that's shared we're with other people we're out and about um and i think too from an advocating standpoint that allows like your principal if you work in a school to know what does a speech therapist do they're you know they're out and about yes it, you know <laughs> it lends itself to more communication opportunities oh there's the janitor janitor there's our resource officer cuz we have police officers in the schools here in ohio um, and so it just, it lends itself to more natural interactions where you can facilitate that with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think of this beyond leisure skills though, because to me, these things that bring out the essence of really who we are, you know, we're taking out of a structured environment, mm-hmm. you know, it really, these are lifelong skills. This, these lead into what we want to do with our time, not just our spare time, but our time. You know, mm-hmm. How do we want to spend it? So you're giving those children sort of a peek into <laughs> like what they love, what they enjoy, what they want to do. And it's just so all encompassing to me. So I, I love this idea. Yeah, it's fun. Um, what are there things that we can do as parents um, to help kids, you know, bring out better communication, better behavior, things that we're missing? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think just from a parent standpoint and from a speech therapy standpoint, like just things with my own kids, what I try to do is I just try to analyze, you know, what's going on in my home environment. And if I can, you know, make things easier, if I can, you know, like I have, my kids are all um, just about school age. So they need to read every day, right? We know we want literacy involved in our, in our children's lives. So I just try to do little things to set up the environment so that we're successful. So, you know, I'll have, all of our books in a book bin down by the area where we spend all of our time in, in our house. You know, like mm-hmm. now that we're transitioning from winter to summer, I have all of the swimsuits in an area that's close to where we get ready to go. Like I'm just constantly kind of analyzing how, how our family routines are working. And so i I would say don't make yourself crazy as a parent. If you know that your therapist said, you know, your son or daughter should walk for five or 10 minutes a day or they should do this, try to think about how does that fit into your family routine? How can you embed that? We don't want to, and I see that too from just my own kids, like where they need to read each day or they need to do this or, you know, my son was an uh, OT for before COVID hit. He kind of semi-qualified. So, you know, I was always trying to incorporate things, but 
I think we need to analyze how is our family routine now? Are there things that are going that we don't feel good about, you know, that are really a a sore spot? Talk about that with your related service providers and just think about how you can naturally embed these things into your family routines. Because once something becomes a habit, like, you know, my exercise routine or taking a walk with my kids, or sometimes we have a a lake in my neighborhood. So I'll say, if my kids are crabby or they're just like on their technology too much or something, I'll say, Mm -hmm. okay, we're taking a walk. It doesn't mean we're going to walk for an hour. It just means we're going to walk down to the lake and we're going to walk back. And it's almost like that little boost kind of gets them out of that funk. So yes. Yeah. Just trying to embed it into your family routine. So you're not making yourself crazy, but you're feeling like, okay, we have a system here, you know? Right. Right. And do you, I feel sometimes I talk too much. So my kids are always having to listen. You know, this is the idea of us being the the listener. Right. Um, I just want to touch on that just a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that those types of things, like I feel like I have the best conversations with my kids, like maybe when we're in the, well, one-on-one, I have three of them. So, you know, like if I'm taking one kid to soccer or, you know, like trying to carve out just even one-on-one time to like, you know, run an errand or, you know, sometimes we'll take one of my kids, me and my husband love Starbucks. So we'll go in the morning, like super early. um, And one of our our little kid will want to go packs to my son, you know, like just those little, things mm-hmm. where we can we can get a lot of information and a lot of talking sometimes when for my family if the kids are by themselves sometimes they are a little easier to talk to but I, I think those kind of my kids are they're pretty talkative so they like to to tell me things but sometimes if I just am able to carve out like five minutes where it's just me and my one child um, throughout my day which doesn't sound like a lot of time but you know it's kind of that nice time or I try to read them a book or you know we're always constantly on the go so that's just kind of our family dynamic mm-hmm. but well, um, my my younger two are finishing up their teenage years they're um, 18 okay, okay. Well, got a little bit a little bit more yeah <laughs> but um, I have found that the evening late evening is great with teenagers yes. So not early morning, don't even go there. Right, right. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. Right. <laughs> they kind of like look at me, like their eyes will pop open, but nothing's really processing. So, uh, but in the evening when I'm kind of trying to wind down, they'll, they will approach me. And mm-hmm. if I just listen, you know, I get a lot of information then. Right. So I think timing is key with kids too. And I know sometimes when I come into a therapy session, it may not be the best timing. So right. in those instances, I really try to work with the parents and say, you know, these are some things I think you could do. Uh, I might, you might not see it right here, right now with me. Right. But, you know, you pick the best time, like you were saying, you know, <laughs> on your way to Starbucks, transferring yes. into the car. Right. You know, learning how to transfer into a car. They may not want to do that exactly when I show up. Mm-hmm. Um, they might. Sometimes they do. But if it's not the ideal time, you know, I can work with the parent and then they can do it at a better time. Right. Uh, or at a time where they're going to go somewhere or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes I have this hot spot time where kids. Every family wants their child seen between three o'clock and four o'clock p.m. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my gosh! <laughs> like after funny. school. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's not a great time because kids are tired. Oh yeah. And they're they're mentally burned out and stuff. So I first of all, I love the idea of the leisure skills because yeah, really, you know, finding something that they want and love to do, and then combining the therapy in with that. But then also, 
you know, just realizing that might not be the ideal time, but I can educate, you know, so that it can be used at a better time. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of timing is, is really big. And we don't have to instantly make things happen at that moment. Mm-hmm. I find as a parent that's important to remember and as a therapist that it doesn't have to happen at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's hard when you go into somebody's home. There's just so many different factors that you want the parents to understand that you have goals, you're working towards certain goals. It Mm -hmm. may look different on each day, but you, you know, it's hard because I mean, with, especially with PT, you're physically, they're physically doing something with speech too. It's like, I can motivate a student, I can encourage and I can support a student to communicate and to say these things, but I can't make them do it. You know, I can lay down the environment, I can set it up in a way that's going to be great and it's going to be fun and we can try, but, you know, that's, that's what we can do. We can't, you know, make the student do whatever it is that they need to do um, because we, we want them to engage in the activity. So I think that's a great you know, Mm -hmm. a great thought too. It's like, this is really your choice to to Mm -hmm. do this activity right now, because if we force somebody to do something, then we're not going to be somebody that they want to spend time with. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be that person. So right. Right. And I have learned that sort of the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I've said, you know, we can do hard things, but it might be at a different time when it's, yeah. the timing is key. Well, anyways, this has been really fun. Is there anything else you want to touch on or share? Yeah, no, just make sure if you're interested in autism and communication that you visit me at abaspeech.org. That's where our podcast is, Autism Outreach. It comes out each Tuesday and we have a, a lot of great free resources too about working on communication, whether you're a therapist or a parent um, of an autistic student. And uh, it was really great to connect today. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts as well. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate your helping me spread these tips to someone you might know. Remember, today might be the day that you can make a difference. You can find me at specialneedsemotion.com or specialneedsemotion at gmail.com. Wishing you a really special day.